Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? It's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and that means here on Ready Check Radio, it's time for the Relic Grind, our Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast. Yeah, there's not a lot going on in the world of fourteen. What the hell are we going to talk about today? I don't know. I'm your host, Mike Byrne. We'll figure it out if it's a little shorter than normal. Whatever. Who cares? Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you're watching live with us on twitch.tv slash readycheckradio, we thank you so much. Chime in with your opinions as we go through the show and talk about a bunch of things. And if you're watching on YouTube, listening on Audible, Spotify, any of those podcast platforms, thank you. We appreciate it. Give it a like, a thumbs up, a subscribe, turn on the notifications, comment, all that good stuff that feeds the algorithms. But most importantly, if you like what we do here, tell a friend. This is episode 124. Joining me to go over all the fun stuff today, Mr. Chris Montoya, a.k.a. Tarkoth. What's up, sir? Greetings, programs. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. You ready? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Wait, wait, what are you going to do? this next week. Wait, what are you going to do? Two things. Sunday, I will be doing Power Wash Simulator. Oh, yes! Over on your stream. (laughs) Yeah. And then... uh, and then Foam Stars comes out yeah. in five days, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get my foam on. So yeah, I I'm mean, gonna wash and then I get foamed up. Yeah. I, oh God, I don't want to do the show anymore. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll be picking up Foam Stars, uh, courtesy of PlayStation subscription. So yep. like, even if I don't play it, I'm definitely claiming it, so it's there. Yeah. Also on the line, Mr. Paul Berlin, aka Flynn. What's up, Flynn? Oh, uh, just glad that Tark is finally picking up Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, he's the clean Midgar. Yeah, I mean my my uh, my brother Havoc. I don't know if he's in chat or not for this particular show, since this is like very specific. Uh, he's always here for gaming gumbo, but he's got I like over a hundred some hours in Power Wash. Like every time, it's, it's just become a joke. Like every time my kids check their or they're on Steam, they say, "Hey, Dad, what?" Uncle Buddy, that's his, their nickname for him. It's not his name isn't Buddy. Uh, Uncle Buddy's on Power Wash Simulator. Like he's always on the damn thing. It is such a relaxing experience. I still, I, I still don't own it, but it's so on Game up. Pass right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still on Game Pass. Yeah, so I guess and Power Fantasy DLC is still free. Is it really? Yeah, maybe I'll check mm-hmm. it out. I don't know. Ding. I got it on PS Plus. Ding. You get to see the extra details inside of the God Scorpions, which is fun. Ding. Lord. Yeah, Ding. lots of dings. <laughs> yeah, hey, um, not a lot going on in the world of Final Fantasy XIV this week. Uh, I mean, you, you may still be a finishing up 655. Uh, and if you are, cool. Uh, you're probably speculating on some of the lore. I, you know what? Okay, fine. Flynn, I'll give you a few minutes. I know like you've just been encyclopedia aorzing it out. <laughs> I I, right. I, I, I didn't let you. We're talking about now. <laughs> I, I didn't let you do it. You're like kind of like creeping out of the bottom of your shot here. Let me let me go ahead. Yeah, and, I'm at a weird angle to normal just to hide uh, my friend. To, to hide our to co-host, Mister Grayshirt. Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, so I'll give. I didn't let you do it last show because if the patch had just come out. It was only 48 hours old. But I know there are a few little 
lore tidbits, speculative type things, because there weren't yeah. like massive spoilers, but you know, There's maybe some speculation. So I'm I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three minutes right now to buzz through some of your favorites that you've been digging into. What do you got? Oh, cool. One straight away for Tark. Uh no of Air 065. Uh, extremely hot food has now become popular all thanks to Zero's tolerance to curry and it's blowing everyone's head off uh, as we go over into Tyrell we have the main guy Gruel Jar Jar known as the Dawn Seven, also known back in the day as the Yortark back when uh, Ketenrum the Blue first sailed over and established the trade routes uh, he's also got a few adopted kids as we know from Muklamat, Koana uh, Ubino is uh, was a student over in Orshalian. Speculative, that's the person getting hold of Urianji and Fangred due to them being Archons. Uh, let's see what else I got down. The current theories for Erenville are either he's one of the uh, other adopted children or he belongs to the Wadaki tribe due to his blue tinge in his hair because of the blue ether being so uh, uh, prevalent, sacred to the tribe. Uh, so, Tural, as we'll come to know it, as unified has only happened over the last 80 years, which has given us an idea how long the Mamul Jar live, because that was also Kadul Jar Jar. So, he's at least 90 to 100 years old at this point. No wonder there's a succession to the throne. Uh, the main other things we notice are packets with us. Falakamanda is probably the biggest uh, thing we got as a monster. Uh, he's described as an almost winged creature with skills hard to steal and rules the skies. We also know he's involved in this uh, succession, right? And he was known to be a myth for quite a few years, so it's potentially could be an icon or a primal that's resurfaced. And I, uh, the last bit, all the twelve tribes themselves, the ones who reach war, the reason why none of them could take full power is because of just how they were built. So the ones from the frozen lands up north in York Tural. Uh, they couldn't deal with the desert sun, and a bunch of the open plains couldn't deal with living in the jungle. And that's all the main tidbits I've got. Yeah. My big question is, <laughs> what the hell was going on in Terrell when the rest of this was like all going down, right? Like when we had to fly to space to save everything. Like, were did, did they <laughs> were they aware that like, uh, uh, hey, something's going on with our our world well, no. here? Or like, was this were they unaffected? Like. What, what, yeah, what did they look up in the skies and see? <laughs> what's going on with what seems to be happening there? A very Midgar Esther terror style city, uh, combining right. amateurs from seven, eight, and nine. So that's what's hyping me up now for Dawn Trail is what's happening in Solution 9. Screw the succession. That's just Monster Hunter Beach episode. I need to know about our future city. There you go. Wow. Lore speculation right. from Flynn. Sure. Have you guys done like a more detailed lore discussion over on uh, Within Crisis? Or, uh, or are you, no, because it's just to? been random dreams for now because oh, I'm actually still away traveling, oh, gotcha. so I haven't had a chance to do the podcast. Well, there, there. Now, do you feel better? It's all off your I chest do. and out in the <laughs> out in the public air. Uh, we do have events going on, right? We got yeah. the the mog the mogness happening right now, and then we have the Valention's nice event change. coming up. So the Valention's, I mean, not much to talk about right there. There is a new emote, new yeah. emote. So, yeah, finally get uh, hot hands to show yeah. the love to chat. Little hard hands, little hard hands. 
I, let's talk about the Mog one though for a little bit because there there have been some pretty substantial changes uh, yeah. to the way things are working here, Tark. And honestly, I gotta say, uh, although there's no real rewards that I'm like personally like the Twintanya Barding's pretty badass, but uh, you know, there's no minions that I need or anything like that, so I haven't been horribly motivated to take part in the event in the event. But like the encyclopedia, the the way they've structured some of the repeatable quests there's some changes that seem to be well received i'm enjoying them yeah it's actually gotten me to do ocean fishing because that's yeah, the, yeah. the ultimog uh part and uh it looks like you it, it, it's giving more it's the same stuff yeah no it's it's more than the same stuff there's more you didn't get you didn't you didn't get anything from gold saucer uh, you didn't used to get anything from fishing like this. So there's more options. Uh, the fact that there's weeklies and an overall event one. Uh, it, yeah, it's actually really cool. Uh, and you don't have to like grind it out. You can do a little bit of everything that you normally would be doing. So this has been awesome. I, I love it. Um, I do need some Mog Tombstones. I got two mounts I can get. I can get one minion. To expand my lead on you, and uh, yeah, it's all. What minion great. don't you have? Uh, the. Uh, uh, Are you ahead of me again? Yeah, I'm at uh, two forty. On minions, four forty, four forty on minions. Yeah, I don't even remember what the hell I'm at. Uh, last You'll I checked, was like three. Yeah, I'll I think just go you were at four thirty-five or like, something like that. Go look it up here. <laughs> I uh, haven't claimed my encyclopedia one yet. Anyways. Uh, uh, it's the, um, Eureka one that I didn't have. Oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think, uh, Flynn? You like it the way yeah, the, it's, it's reorganized? Nice change. Uh, it's nice that, uh, is it the daily challenges that are unique to everybody? Or is that a weekly? Uh, I think the weeklies are unique yeah. to everyone. Yeah, so that's nice. So it's no longer just, you know, going into Autumn Veil with Blue Mages and spam, spam, spam. Fair enough, you can still do that with the Praetorium. But it's nice that they're involving so much more variety of activities, fates especially. Mm -hmm. Gives yep. more people a chance to get some gemstones, buy some vouchers, make some money on top of doing this. This is hopefully how they do it going forward, because we know this is only part one of two before we get to the door trail. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get a little yeah. a little part 2 action on this one. So like oh, I like the changes. I re I really do. Fishing like that's made so many people happy. <laughs> Just like yeah. The the I mean, matter about every two in game hours. Yeah. Uh, real life hours even. Yeah. Um I mean, in other uh, 14 Go ahead, Tark. I was like I actually spent like an hour trying to figure out how to do ocean fishing. So now I'm learned <laughs> up. I'm like, "Hey, okay." <laughs> You triple hook your spectrals and you can. Well, yeah, you got you can double blind double hook and then you can then uh, boost or redo that fish if it's the right one and then you can boost it and then triple hook it and get big numbers. So yeah, good times. Hey, uh, yeah. the Final Fantasy fourteen live action TV series that we reported on a long yeah. time ago as possibly being thing like it was back in twenty nineteen I think when it was first like actually announced yeah. uh, as an official yeah. thing and then of course COVID happened so like what's going on with the project haven't heard a lot it's not a 
thing anymore. Womp womp. Unfortunately, responding to uh, Kevin Saturn on Twitter, Dinesh Shamdasani said that the project was dead. We took around a fantastic pilot script by Ben Lustig and Jake Thornton, along with a multi-season plan they built with our showrunners, but it got rejected across the board. The size and scale needed to do it right proved too much for anyone to want to risk. Amazon came the closest. Somebody else followed up asking Tark, like, hey, maybe an animated series is a way to go for this. And it says, hey, yeah. you know, that might actually be harder. And by the way, all the rights at this yeah. point are back in Japan, unfortunately. So I've always been excited for an anime animated one. Uh, we saw that uh, Korean animated trailer basically for 14. And right. I was like, yes, this is what we need. Yes. And the, ni- right the nine animated things still. Yeah. supposedly Out coming at the, some point, right? Up in the air, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. With the remake. I don't think we've heard anything about yeah, along with the remake. <laughs> along with the remake. <clears throat> they uh, just keep hitting us. We have mentioned it nine. That's as much as you get. Right, right. Mm. We're going to tease you just a little bit. So un- that's sad. That's sad. I, I, I was kind of like mixed emotions on the whole thing anyway. Because it was like, I, I don't know if I really want to watch a live action show recreating this, you know, like the main storyline of the game. But sure. am I okay with watching, you know, side stories in Eorzea that maybe are or are not canon? Like, there's, there, how do you set that up? Do you make them canon? Is this going on in a different place of the world or maybe hell, even a different uh, star? Like, where do you go from there? to kind of interface with the game, but maybe not interface with the game. So it was, I kind of had mixed emotions on where they might take it anyway. I, I'm sad we didn't get anything. Uh, yeah. But I would have loved them to do a miniseries just for the company of heroes that happened during the gap that we had in uh, 1.0 to 2.0. Right. Where they oh, dealt yeah, that, with yeah. Leviathan. Just to get out, uh, you know, Mutabix joining, just having a goblin with, you know, rogues, dance, and pirates. And everything. <laughs> but it could have been a cool story. Do that as a miniseries and everyone would have been happy. Yeah, it was one yeah. of those things, though, that's like if you if you wanted to integrate with the game in a meaningful way, right? Like then it just becomes another thing that the game's writers need to take into consideration yeah. when they're writing Which for the game. Set on stage right. And they're, you know, I mean, we all don't kind of like the content drought right now. Uh, as far as the expanded time between cycles. Yeah. So do we really want to put anything else on the team? So it is sad to see it go, but I'm, you know, if it couldn't be done right, I'm glad it's just not happening. Yeah. I would rather it just not happen, you know, than to do something half-assed. Uh, I know there's a lot of buzz for the uh, Final Fantasy XIV tabletop game. Flynn, I know you are particularly excited as somebody oh, who yes. is experimenting with some Final Fantasy-related D&D one-off campaigns or one-shots. That's not going to work for a slot. If you are in Japan and extremely lucky, (laughs) extremely lucky, uh, there are going to be some play tests for the Final Fantasy XIV tabletop RPG on Saturday, February 17th, and Sunday, February 18th. It's going to take place in Tokyo, you have to apply through the game's website. So you can just look up the, the Tabletop Board Games website. And they're going to be picking about 200 people. 
about 75 minutes of testing for each like session, each group that they send in there. So you got to be in Japan. You got to be extremely lucky to get in there. There are future tests planned. He says, hopefully, and then says, not hopefully, they are also in Japan, just other regions, Osaka and things like that. So we it's got to be not far, right? Like the pre-order page has May 2024 on it as the release date. Yep. Uh, yep. But that's always like a, Tark, that's always kind of like a, it, it could change at any given moment. But <laughs> is May reasonable if we're just doing playtesting now or public playtesting? Uh, I, I want to say no, but like it, a, it's like I, either I mean, no or the playtesting is a formality. <laughs> like I think the playtesting might be a formality, kind of a word of mouth. Like yeah. here, try this, and you know, tell your friends, and you know, keep the marketing budget to a, a minimum. I just kind of want to be like a fly on the wall. I want to see if any of these players just really upset their dungeon masters with like polymorphing <laughs> a boss and the dungeon used to be like, what the hell? Come on. <laughs> no, that's what you're going to do to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, sad news in uh, the world of Final Fantasy 14. So if you remember Dad of Light, uh, the television show, which I loved it in all of its delightful yeah. cheesiness. I absolutely, absolutely adore that cheesy. show. Uh, yeah, it's way cheesy. But that was based on Matey, who wrote the blog, right? On sure. Based on his real life experience. And then sadly, a few years back, Matey passed, right? Um, yeah. Well, now the Matey's father has passed as well. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and we lost the, the actor who played the father a few years ago, too. Uh, but now, you know, the dad known as Indy uh, has passed away as well. So it's very, like, touching um, tribute posted, but oh, so sad. So sad. Uh, saying he's embarked. This is from uh, Yamamoto, who posted the tweet on Monday that, uh, that he had passed and said he's embarked on a new journey with Mady. So if you believe in any afterlifes or anything like that. The two have been reunited. Uh, but, yeah, very sad. I, that show, man. That show hit me in the feels, and it was yeah. so cheeserific. Like, it absolutely <laughs> was just boatloads of cheese, and I was I was there for it. Ever. I think I've literally... I made my kids watch it, the ones who don't play Final Fantasy. I put it on again, and they were like, I, I don't play. I don't want to watch this. And I'm like, yeah, just watch one episode. And then pff, they tore through the rest binged of them. Right? Binged it. And you're yeah. like, oh. Yeah, absolutely binged it. Such a great show. If you haven't watched it, definitely go watch it. Um, yeah. Anything else going on in 14? Like, I feel like I've, I had to have missed something, right? Like, that's all. Um, there, there was the that Xbox spoof beta i don't know if we covered that last week yeah but we that, covered that we last week coming that... eventually now yeah, yeah we covered that last soon. week okay the only last yeah, thing i can figure for 14 is at the end of 655 ishtola is the only scion that you cannot find in the world oh she's not back at matoyas nope Interesting. Like everyone else can be found unless they've already explicitly left uh eorzea yeah, she was the um, only one of the scions that wasn't given uh, an epilogue at the end of, you know, Asinian got his little moment, uh, Thancred and Rianger got their moment, 
Um, we know where the twins stand. So, yeah. Um, even Graha's staying behind. So, where's Yashtola? Where's my cat cat girlfriend? Man, she don't even know you exist, man. She can't even see you. I know. She Ever since I devoted to to zero, she's uh, shunned me. So, I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I deserve it. Let's take a look at some other Square Enix news then. Uh, Sony State of Play was yesterday. Uh, 40 minutes yeah. of some new stuff shown off. We'll talk about a lot of it, uh, almost all of it, on uh, Gaming Gumbo this Saturday here on twitch.tv slash readycheckradio, 7 p.m. Eastern, as always. Uh, Dom and Yad joining me to go through all of that stuff, including your boy, Hideo Kojima getting back into ta tactical espionage, which can be yeah. exciting. Uh, sometimes I feel like the dude's a little too clever for his own good type creative, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, nothing Square Enix related at the state of play. However, we had however, yeah. Well, yeah, it was just a trailer. Like there, yeah. they just it was a commercial uh, that was, was just thrown. Most out there. of it was trailers. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was just thrown out there. Uh, that is because next week, uh, on the 6th, February 6th, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is getting a state of play all to itself, Tark. They're like, yeah, no, this is absolutely all this by your it. lonesome. Go for it. Even 16 didn't get its own state of play, so... Um, it got a big chunk of one, but yeah, uh, Rebirth deserves its own state of play. Uh... I don't know if I even really want to watch it. I probably will just for the show, but uh, oh, I mean, they're going to be so careful with spoilers. I think you're fine uh, watching you it. Right. <laughs> they keep showing way too much. No, at least to I us older generation uh, that know the game, it's like, yeah, stop showing me story now. Like, if if you don't know this is a thing and this is coming out and you're not buying it, like, I think the people that are wanting it have already pre-ordered. And even though I say don't pre-order games like anymore. Here I am pre-ordering the collector's edition, but you know, uh, you either are getting it or you're not. Like this state of play isn't swinging people one way or the other, in my opinion. Unless they, unless they announce. Oh, by the way, it's coming out for Xbox. But yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, that's not that's that's PlayStation. Yeah, that's not going to happen at least right away. I mean, we still we have the rumors. Oh, no, the state of play. <laughs> yeah, we did talk last <laughs> we, last show about the uh, the remake. There are rumors that that's going to be coming to Xbox soon, but likely not until after the PR hype and initial sales buzz of Rebirth happens. Square Enix probably doesn't want to step on its own news there. The other news on this front here, oh, like I'm not surprised, but still oof. Yeah, like, this, oh. this like we knew the number was going to be big, Flynn. We knew it was going to be big. Dual discs, just like everything else. Dual discs. PlayStation game size, that tracker website, has uh, gotten a, a peek into the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth file size. And it clocks in at 145 gigabytes. Now, again, not surprising, but still surprising. Like, it's a number you just like, oh, God, that's a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that more with a separate game from a separate franchise lately. So oh. I bought more Combat 1. There's 90 gig on the back of the file. Right, I'll put that into download. Uh, install. 150 gig patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lord. 
So Call Duty's Call Duty's as a basis to set. If that's on a disc, brilliant. I I can deal with that. That's not me leaving the PlayStation on overnight to install a game. That's uh, so Tark, what are you deleting? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I even have an extra SSD in, yeah, my, same here. in mine. And I'm like, wow, do I have the space? Do I need to delete Call of Duty? Because that thing's like 150 gigs. So uh, maybe that, that goes the way of the dodo. Uh, but yeah, I'll find a way. I'll find a way, Dan. I'll find a way. I'm playing this game. Installs find a way, I'm, as Jeff Goldblum said, right? Uh, preload, remember, starts on February 27th, and then the official launch, of course, taking advantage of the leap year, getting that one extra day in the financial month, uh, February 29th. February but don't forget, 29th. Square Enix planned it for a meteor the same day. Yeah. so weird you are weird there's so many tark threatening to bathe on stream <laughs> <laughs> you're not bothered by file size either you buy a bigger drive or you juggle well yeah i mean it's, yeah, it's really your own option or don't play or don't play or you know beat games and get them off your hard drive <laughs> Hey, a while ago, we were showing some... I think we talked about these, didn't we? We we showed some Nier and Tifa figures that weren't exactly what you would call legal. Uh, yeah. And we were having some fun with the fact that, hey, you know, all the different poses that they were advertising these things in yeah. because they weren't exactly modest, let's say, <laughs> as far as what was undergarments. <laughs> Or a lack of undergarments, uh, I could say. Well, uh, Square Enix has not historically liked that stuff, right? They're very careful with their licenses and things like that, how you're going to treat their properties. They just scored a point in an unusual place. Yeah, they yeah. did. It's newsworthy just for the location. Yeah, just for where, right? Like They, they just, hit just some... Where. Widespread manufacturing and distribution of those counterfeit figures in China, like in China, uh, Square yeah. Enix. Where and they have a rule that they can just make yeah, their own I mean, copies of anything. Yeah, know? like China and intellectual property, like just, <laughs> what's that? Uh, doesn't matter. Uh, so apparently there was some work. This actually happened last year in May, uh, but it wasn't like being publicly shared yet. There was a huge operation, Japanese authorities working with Chinese authorities. Uh, and during it, they like seized a bunch of these uh, Nier Automata and Final Fantasy VII Remake figures, uh, pulled them off the market. And they said the company will continue to dedicate itself to the protection of its intellectual property so it may provide better products and services while maintaining and enhancing its brand image. It reminds its customers and distributors to remain vigilant and protect themselves against counterfeits. And there's actually people that are going to be brought up on charges in China here, Tark, which is unusual. It it doesn't it's it doesn't never happen, but it is an unusual happening. Yeah, because China's protective of we can do whatever we want and you know force us. Like the fact that they're like, yeah, well will assist you with this was actually just kind of mind-blowing um looking at these figures though i'm like i kind of wish i got a hold of a couple of them <laughs> they look really good uh, anyways fine one or two left 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure they don't cost, you know, $400 uh, to get that, plus an emote, like some uh, Meister-level uh, sculptures that Square puts out. So they're just trying to, you know, protect their interests, and uh, I get it. And I just, the shocking part was that China was being helpful with this. So I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, not something you normally see there, Flynn. No, not at all. It's. it's I mean, that's, yeah, a, it's that's like a long-standing point of contention between the United States and China every time our leaders uh, meet. The UK and China. Oh, yeah. 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 Every time the, the presidents uh, meet, it's always, or in your case, what, prime minister? Yeah. <sighs> Final Fantasy VII remake, thumbs up. How about a Final Fantasy VI one? Cool. Let's yeah. let's do it. Let's. I'm a fan. Hey, we already talked yeah. about it was a while ago, right? Where there was like actual pressure from inside, like people inside yeah, Square want, Enix wanted yeah. to do a Final Fantasy VI remake. Well, uh, uh, if we go by Yoshinori <laughs> Katase's statements in a recent interview with fr uh, French YouTuber Julian Shize, Shiz, Shiz, Shiz. Uh, apologies yep. if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. There is no accent goo on the final E, so it's definitely not A at the end. Um, he said, yeah, hey, you know, uh, sure. Well, there could potentially be a Final Fantasy. But here's the problem. Here's the, here's the problem. Let me, let me tell you what the problem might be, Flynn. If we did Final Fantasy VI in the style of like a Final Fantasy VII remake, that'd probably take about 20 years to develop. Yeah, no thanks. He says he gets lots of requests from fans, media, and even people within Square Enix for a remake. And while he wouldn't rule it out as a potential, it's not currently in the works. And given the proposed timescale, probably wouldn't happen until everybody here, according to Nintendo Wire or senior citizens. He just says, hey, there's simply too much content, too many characters to be remade faithfully within a short period. Uh, but this is the one, right? Like, Hironobu Sakaguchi has said, I I'd consider coming back to Square Enix <laughs> to do a Final Fantasy VI remake. So, uh, we still got Nine's remake floating out there. Do you do you buy this, Tark, 20 years to do an FF6 remake? It's, you're so, they're full, so full of crap. And the, the thought of making it in the style of Seven remake... That's not even I the style I would want it. No, and and I've pined on this show for years, I feel now, that the path you take is to do it in the Octopath Traveler engine. Yeah, the 2.5 like, HD. It seems like it's, it's perfect for that. It's The engine is gorgeous. Uh, 6 itself was gorgeous when it came out, so you put it in there. You, you brighten things up. You give uh, the character models, you know, a few more pixels to kind of flesh them out into actual, you know, people. Uh, it would be amazing. Uh, that's the route I want them to take. I don't. I don't want. I don't know if anybody was really clamoring for a seven remake style of six. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. that's like I. I. I I'd like to see it. Sure, it would uh, be cool to but, see. But that's not what I'm asking. Right. For. But if you if you said, hey, they're going to remake six, I would immediately Flynn assume that it was going to be in that 2.5 HD. You know. Yeah. Uh, Octopath Traveler's style, and I would have been totally okay with it. Yeah, like, that's absolutely. What everyone I've ever heard wanted to remake. I said, give us the two point five HD, add some uh, voice acting in, 
with Goldie. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be sick. Because mm-hmm. like, obviously like one of the most iconic ones, they did a pseudo 2.5D in the Pixel remaster, and it looked gorgeous. That's what we want. Yeah, and there's, if there's story beats you want to make into cutscenes, okay, fine. I, you know, sure, th- yeah. great. Go ahead and do that. Spend some budget on some big ass yeah. cutscenes. If it takes three or four years to do it, go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's fine. I, I like. I, yeah, Takao says the twenties just a made up ass number. Like, ugh, I don't know. Like, if you think about Final Fantasy VII, and you assume that it will, like most of us believe, finish in three, right? Finish in three games. Um, that's what 12, 15 years of total development total from the time the project started being conceived to roughly ex- when we could expect maybe a third. I mean, I think it t- took them 15 years to actually pull their heads out of their ass. And be like, yeah, we should probably do this. <laughs> Just about. So, yeah, it's like, when did the, when did development start? I mean, they've Square has been doing has been milking their catalog and remasters and remakes, and some of them have been amazing. They Star Ocean in 2009. Well, yeah, part one was well, in the, development well, before that. Yeah, so part one was That's... in development uh, back in 2014 when the port was announced. So obviously, it was already in there. Remake was officially yeah. announced June 2015 at E3. And we saw the first clips later in December. So let's say, let's say that they had been in development for three years at that point. They could have possibly been in there longer, but let's say they've been there two to three years. That means we're already at twelve years. So is twenty an unreasonable number yes. when you look at <laughs> when you look at six? If you did it in a full seven remake style. Assuming, you know, what, we're going to have, what, three years or so between Rebirth and the final one. So we'll be clocking in right where I, I said about 15 years, maybe seven, 15 to 17, let's say, to do a full finishing remaster of seven. Is 20 just an absurd made-up number when you look at six, if you did it in that style, Tark? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's just yes, it just it shouldn't take that long. Absolutely, just absolutely made up. And to your point, Flynn, you're, you're saying the thought came up. Like I could argue that the thought of a seven remake goes all the way back to the PS3 tech demo. Like they should have uh, been like, oh, there's, no, they, there's there's, yeah. there's hype for this. Like this should be a thing. They and, were like, very they clear when they showed that off. Though, yeah, well, they were like, we are not doing this. This is just showing up. And then it didn't matter. People thought they were making it and lying anyway. Just like the show scenes from Final Fantasy's done up at the New Engine because they did eight for the PS2. And then after that, I said, no, we'll do our own separate tech demos. And that's how we ended up with Agnes Philosophy going forward. It's like, yeah, we can't just <laughs> give shit away anymore. So here's where I said it's absolutely an absurd number. <laughs> like it it's just it unquestioned. Like, like I got to set up the question for the discussion, uh, but yeah. d- just to get my f- opinion, it's absolutely an absurd number. It shouldn't have taken seventeen or uh, Final Fantasy seven fifteen to seventeen years to be remade uh, from beginning to end. And honestly, there are thoughts going on in the process of rebirth and the the next one that I'm like, I don't even know if I like that they took things. In, the, in certain ways. And we're going to talk about one a little further down here. 
Uh, in fact, we can just actually lump it in now. It makes a little more sense here. You know, that uh, in interviews, they're talking about Sephiroth and Aerith kind of get a bit of a reimagining in in Rebirth as far as the way they're portrayed, because these are two characters that didn't have a ton of screen time in the original, right? I mean, they, they were sure. clearly main characters, but they didn't have a ton of screen time. And now that the, the whole story is being pulled out across three games, they're getting more screen time. He says, uh, Katasi says uh, about Rebirth's story, I really want people to play the game and feel it directly, so I will not say too much here, but when comparing this scene, we know what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Very pivotal encounter. Yeah. To how it was presented in the original, I'm confident that the audience will feel a great breadth of emotion from the extra level of detail in how the characters, Sephiroth and Aerith, are portrayed. Really, I can only say that I want players to experience what waits for them at the end of Rebirth and feel it for themselves rather than getting that second hand. Different people will respond to it differently, but I think they'll want to pursue that feeling, whatever it is, and set out on their next journey soon. Mm. In regards to Sephiroth, Katasi said he's allowed the developers to explore the character in greater depth making him an even more charismatic and appealing antagonist. How do you feel about uh, these potential changes here, Tark? I love all the changes. I love getting more air time. I don't know what to expect from the end of Rebirth. I think there's going to be a huge curveball, but I love the expansion of Sephiroth, um, knowing that he's not, you know, Seven proper Sephiroth, it's Advent Children's Sephiroth, but uh, yeah, to get more interaction between him and Cloud is just uh, it, that part of it really made uh, remake work for me. Um, just getting more between those two, um, getting a lot more Aerith. I mean, you're right, the, the fact that there wasn't a lot of screen time for either of them. Um, the fact that we could really sink our hooks into them, and if things still play out the way, it maybe it just hits harder because uh, we're just so invested in Aerith and, and Sephiroth now. So I don't know, Flynn, Flynn. How do you feel? Because I feel like there's always that you know, when you have a, a good antagonist, sometimes an element of mystery or not being quite sure of motivations or where an emotion might. You know, they might maybe allude to uh, a thought or an emotion palette for an antagonist, but not fully rigidly define it. And then sometimes when you get that, like, yeah, I see this a lot when in, in media movies, TV shows, video games, when they go back and do a prequel, right? When they, they go and then they kind of just like fill in the backstory for this big baddie and you're just kind of like oh wow that's that was kind of a terrible backstory <laughs> and i don't think they're going to do that here like i don't i don't anticipate them doing like this full reimagining and cramming detail in there but there's always that danger where you can kind of make what was a compelling character a little less compelling by giving more detail yeah big time like uh the biggest comparison that cuts my mind is cowboy bebop although there would be some that argue sephiroth isn't all that action. compelling <laughs> Yeah. Like, the character of uh, Vicious between the two cowboy bebops. He went from a very quiet, mysterious character to a whiny little shit. 
And it's like, yeah, you just destroyed the character by having him there too much. Like, uh, in Ritual 7, most of our encounters with Sephiroth up to the Northern Crater, we're dealing with Jenova, not Sephiroth. And yeah. if we're now actually involved with Sephiroth more, it kind of changes uh, what we experience. And it's going to be... They have to write it good. Yeah, like I mean, the biggest, the biggest yeah. kind of dive into into Sephiroth was what the the Nibelheim sequence in in the yeah. original, right? That's where you yeah. he's doing all the research and then figures out what's what, and then kind of it goes crazy, goes crazy from there. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Right. Yeah, because funny enough, Darcy was the first time we saw real Sephiroth in the entire game, and it was in a flashback. I honestly felt like in remake though that like Sephiroth was just crammed in. Like he he yeah. like they just wanted to make sure that he was in there. I had to uh, give us a final boss. Yeah, yeah. I, I did, it, not saying it was terrible. It, it felt ham fisted. I, I, I wouldn't. Mean, I wouldn't go as far to say as it didn't belong. Because it 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 didn't feel like it was like wildly out of place, and maybe that's a bit prejudiced by me having played the original, right? Um, and saying, yeah. "Hey, he doesn't go here yet." But like the first scene we had with Sephiroth in remake, part, though, it's like uh, it's hard because uh, him showing up in the places that he does is the impetus for all the changes, and I. You know, I, I agree that maybe the whispers were the ham-fisted part, not maybe. Oh, one hundred percent, one hot. Yeah, you know, I definitely go with you there. Um, I, I know I felt Sephiroth. I think it was just enough, and it was still just mysterious. You know, we still got that whole seven seconds till the end. Like, what the hell does that mean? Right. So <laughs> we're not and, far and away. To have him as yeah, we're not far away. I mean, maybe that's for the third game, but we'll. We're not far away, boys. Less than a month. Twenty-seven uh. days for me. <laughs> for you, yes. Because yeah. I'm in the future. <laughs> yeah, hey. in the future. Tell us how the game is. Interesting rumor, gang. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked last show about Visions of Mana being part of the Xbox Developer Direct show, and while searching online for Visions of Mana game on the Xbox site search result. It mentions Game Pass, baby. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Visions of Man. Oh, on hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, Up what? Update. Breaking. Breaking news. Don't, don't, uh, yeah, don't it's not. It's not going to be on Game Pass. How oh, dare you shut my plan? Damn it, Mike. Come Xbox on. came out and said we're aware that Xbox.com included language that indicated Visions of Mana was coming to Xbox Game Pass and can confirm that this was an error. While we are always updating the library and looking for new ways to provide members with value and choice, we do not have plans to bring Visions of Mana to Game Pass at this time. Like They, they were direct and as clear as they could be <laughs> on that rebuttal. There was no like, oh, well, you know, we're always considering options. We'll see. They were like, just, no. No, it's no. just... Hard fast. No, no. I would actually imagine that there may be contractual reasons for that one. I, mean, I think that the, the the partnership that they're trying to forge, like you need to like put an end to, to rumors like this. Like unless there's something behind yeah. it, 
you get you got to smash them quick because this is still too fresh. You don't want to sour Square Enix with Xbox right now. Well, and so. remember, we saw into some Sony contracts a while ago uh, yeah. where some of their plans involved, like when they made deals with different uh, game companies uh, that they they were putting contract language in that said, hey, you can't put this on somebody's subscription service for X amount of time or anything like that. Now, is that the case here? I have no idea. I've never seen the Visions of Mana or the Square Enix contracts, but you know, you can bet that Sony tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can bet they tried. Here's a weird or one for... Go ahead, Flynn. Or it could be a bit like the newest uh, Yakuza, like a dragon game where it's like... Yeah, we might have borrowed all the stuff out of it, but it's a brand new title. We want to receive 100% of our sales and not worry about it being on the subscription platform, not make as much. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough sell for the third parties, right? Like, if you're Xbox, yeah. right, you, you want your first-party titles to be on Game Pass because that's your company's strategy is to sell the subscription service. And if you've got to sacrifice maybe a potential little bit of revenue here and there on your big marquee first-party titles to get that longer-term subscription money to grow the platform that you're looking it's fine, right? Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. We'll see over the coming years. Uh, but it, And when you're an indie company, you know, there's that potential of... Hey, our game might get to a hundred thousand people, uh, but if we put it on Game Pass and it's free on day one, millions will see it. Uh, and then that comes with the argument we've had on Gaming Gumbo quite a few times on how many of those actually convert to a purchase, and which is more financially viable for the indie, and it probably varies by indie. But when you look at like Square Enix or a company like that that's doing big marquee third-party titles. There is, in most cases, not all, there, there's probably far less impetus to put your games on Game Pass. Like, you know Visions of Mana is going to sell. It's just a question of if Square Enix is forecasting correctly to make sure they sell yeah. as many as they need. <laughs> you but you too. know it's going to sell. Like, so, why? Like, there, you know, Xbox would love to have it just because, hey, the next Square Enix Mana title is free on Game Pass, baby. Come and get it. Like, yeah. But if you're Square Enix, you probably aren't interested in that type of deal, right? Now, yeah. I mean, maybe you're, for you're, something for like Forspoken, hey, we're gonna we we think this is gonna be our next big IP, and let's you know we want as many people yeah, to see it. Then maybe you take a kind of chance with Game Pass or something like that for a title like that. Obviously, too little, too late for that particular one. But as an example, yeah, I don't, I don't really see an I, impetus for Square to want to do that. To to piggyback on what you said, like Square already has enough issues with titles not meeting expectations. You don't need to be putting it on Game Pass and and <laughs> dropping all those sales that you might have gotten. So uh, maybe down the road it comes to Game Pass. You know, if, you know, after the big sales push, you know, after three four months, maybe. Yeah, what's the chance? I can't wait for it, though. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. If you're looking for a uh, Square Enix game to come to PC, though, that has not been on PC yet, and you're looking for something, you know, to play, uh, for some fucking reason, they're bringing Dragon Quest Builders 1, the hmm. original. How old is that game? Uh, to 2016. S to Steam. Oh, okay. It's not as old as I thought it was. 
Came out in 26. The sequel's already on Steam, by the way. Remember, yeah, remember that. The, the sequel's part. already there. So oh, the sequel has caught. Why would you go back to the first one? Yeah. February 13th. So the day after my birthday, you can pre-order to play Dragon Quest Builders for launch on February 13th. What a weird whatever. Yeah. Hey Just Flynn, what's going on with uh with the uh, Tokyo RPG factory? So yeah, last show we were talking about that Square Enix are shuffling things around to save costs with their games. And part of that, it seems, is they have absorbed Tokyo RPG Factory back into the main company. Which is a shame. They did have a couple of good titles. No smash hits. You know, I am Satsuna, Lost Feeling, Odinaki. But still a shame that we are losing all that. Call, all quality it. titles. Well, at least we haven't uh, seen them uh, lay off people like Xbox has yet. Uh, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's Was it being 3,000 layoffs across the industry this year so far? Uh, we are almost halfway to the layoffs we had in 2023 already. Yeah. it's, it's As far as sheer insane. number of employees. Yeah. Well, there's a good way to end a show. Let's head over to uh, Love It or Leave It. Love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of the Relic Grind here. It's where I give you something Square Enix related, and you tell me whether you love it, want more of it, or leave it, never to see it again. And we're going to be specific. I'm not going to give you an option here on would you want you know in this style or this style. If you can only have a Final Fantasy VI remake in the style of remake, rebirth from Final Fantasy VII, that's it. You either get it in that style... And it's 15 to 20 years from now, or you don't get a remake at all. Love it or leave it, Tark. So it's 15 to 20 years from now? God, what am I? We'll, we'll say 10. Like, let's put a more realistic okay. number well, on it see. so that it's yeah, 10 years from now. They decide three years from now to make it. They do a year or so pre production, and then three years later, they put it out. So we'll say like eight to 10 ish. I, I, I think at 53, I'm. Firmly cemented off of you know back in my day and get off my lawn. So I'm gonna say leave it, and I will go to uh, the Pixel Remasters or one of my other plentiful ways of playing that game. Flynn, leave it. <laughs> that was quick. It was just like leave it. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it too. Honestly, if like I've said when we were talking about this, if I have to get a remake of six, I'm all for it. And my brain immediately puts it in that 2.5 HD model. Like that's fits what like yeah, it is. that's what it belongs yes. in. That's what it yes. belongs in. So just do it that way. That's gonna yeah. do it for us here today on the Relic Grind. We'll be back uh, tomorrow on MMO Bomb with the Always Online podcast, and then Saturday right back here for Gaming Gumbo talking about the Sony state of play and a few other fun game topics. We'll be back next week. Until then, Flynn, where can everybody find you? You can find me over on Twitter at Flynn underscore Lawlight, and you can find me streaming on Twitch at Within Crisis. Tark. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all at Tark Health Gaming, uh, and you can find me here on Ready Check Radio on Saturday nights, where we're currently playing Control. And then you're going to take a bath on Sunday. And then take a bath on Sunday, and then get foamed up, you know, on the 6th. Gross. <laughs> 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 Your Tark's gross. 
I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me right there at Magic Man One, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio R A I D E O, and you'll know every time we're going live with a podcast, a stream, some Final Fantasy trading card game, competitive season announced today, all eight Materia Cups in their locations. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers later. Where's our nine remake? Ah. We warned you about that until like May, 